Okay, two things to start off. I am freaking freezing, and I turned off my heater to record this podcast, so we'll see how long I last before I have to take a break. Also, I'm wrapped in my heated blanket. If you can't tell, I sound sick because I am herxing, and when I herx, I get the flu. That's my, that's like the, so the final grand herx, like I build up to a massive herx, and I know it's good that I'm having a herxheimer reaction, it means my bacteria is dying off, but um... Only one side of my face really is not enough and hurts, so we're going to try to get through that um, best we can. Now, I know you're like, Autumn, maybe you're just a normal person sick. Um, whenever I herx, also the reason is I have a rash right now. Um, I get like a petechiae rash everywhere when I'm herxing and I have this, so it's most likely that. Um, but yes, so I'm just going to jump right into it because... I'm not trying to do a quick episode, I'm actually not. I want to chat with you guys, um, and I want to do a little cheaty chat. Um, but also, I feel like extra shit. Like, I've been feeling like more shit, because I've had to increase my rate, which we'll get into later. Um, so my mouth's pain has been really bad, but now I feel like extra, extra shit. So, yes. Anyways, um, let's get into what I wanted to talk about. Um, so I wanted to talk about today kind of just the duality of friendships through being chronically ill and handling all of that. Um, for the longest time when I got sick originally, um, and I was in middle school, high school, I did, had a really hard time keeping friendships that I had and the friendships that I was trying to make did not pan out. The people that I thought I knew did not pan out, um, to like wanting to understand what was going on, and I felt extraordinarily alone, um, mainly just because these people ostracized me, because I didn't know what was going on, I could not explain the pain and the weight loss that I was having, um, so everyone's first initial thing too was, I was purposely trying to lose the weight, I was purposely trying to get attention for some reason, because you know me, I love running to the bathroom in the middle of class to projectile vomit on the, on the, uh, school bathroom wall, I'm sorry for those snorts. You're going to get that while we talk today. Um, I might, I don't know. I really want to post an episode this week, so we'll see. We're going to power through. We're going to girl boss this situation. Girl boss through my lime. Um, anyways, so it was a lot of that. It was a lot of people not believing me or listening to me that were in my social circle, that were people that I truly thought were very close to me. I had a number one kind of specific friend in my life and I think my distrust for and need to just want to get better and imperfectionism came from that because she used to tell me all the time when are you just going to get better already when are doctors just going to fix you why can't you just get better and I only am just really realizing how much that can mentally impact you when you're 13 and you're trying your hardest to just function normally while your body is literally falling apart. Um, and all I needed from her was support. And I got instead, you know, the why can't you do this? Why can't this happen? And I at the time thought it was coming out of genuine, like, you know, a sense of wanting to make me feel better, wanting to tell me, get me better. But it was more out of a I want you to get better so I can move on with my life and I we can get back to what we are normally doing. And the thing with chronically chronic illness is that you your life is forever disrupted and forever changed because it's a chronic illness. 
and your life will never be the same. My life that we had as friends before would never be the same because I couldn't function the same. And I think that's something very hard for not only you, especially when you're sick, to swallow as a pill, but also for other people around you. Um, so I don't, I want to first off preface that I'm not blaming any of these people that turned their backs on me and did not want to be my friend. I actually understand, honestly, if I was in that situation, I was 13, 14, and someone around me was getting very, very ill, and I did not understand why, and people were telling me it was, they were going for attention and that they were crazy, I would ostracize them too. And that's the harsh reality of being human, like I've discussed before, is that I may have, I may, honestly, I might have tried a little harder to be their friends, but I don't know what I would do because I'm not that person anymore. Honestly, when I was in middle school before I got sick, I was a biatch, so I might have actually been the one to ostracize them. That's the one thing chronic illness has taught me is to not be a bitch to everyone. I was trying to be the queen bee when I was in middle school, so I think I definitely would have not, I definitely, I'm not saying that I would have been perfect either, or I would have been the star-studded student either, Um, so I don't blame any of these people, I'm just discussing my experience because I know that other people might understand or relate, Um, especially, it got especially, it peaked definitely when I went to the um, hospital, because then it was kind of just like no one knew why and especially because then I they had given me the diagnosis of anorexia and I mean god that spread like wildfire and I you know having an eating disorder is an extremely scary mental illness and that isn't your fault either I'd like to say I don't know if I've mentioned that before but I'm not saying that having anorexia is your fault either or any eating disorder none of that is ever your fault either it's a mental illness it's very dangerous. So for the doctors to say, then even me having anorexia was my fault still is still very wrong. Um, so that is something I definitely want to say because I feel like I haven't made that clear that I'm not just saying anorexia is your fault too. Like it is not at all, 100%, not at all. Um, or bulimia or any other type of eating disorder. I mean, I know that I have, I've discussed this with my therapist and my doctors and my nutritionist. I have ARFID. That's not a, like, I don't know, something to be ashamed of. I have ARFID. It makes sense. It's a food aversion to food. It's basically food aversion because it causes you some sort of problem. And for me, that makes sense. When I eat, it causes me extreme digestive issues. It causes me nausea, vomiting. It causes extreme pain. So I, in all the senses of the term, I have technically ARFID. It doesn't mean that I'm choosing not to eat because I want to look a certain way or I'm choosing not to eat because I don't want to. It's, first off, I can't. I have an actual physical things going on with me, but the ARFID is a result of those physical things, if I can clarify. If that makes sense, I don't know if that does. First of all, there's nothing to be ashamed of with having ARFID. I feel like some people get really mad when their doctors say they have ARFID. Which makes sense because, I mean, some doctors will just diagnose it as you have ARFID and that's the only thing wrong with you. And it's obviously not. And then they'll treat you as have you having an eating disorder when clearly it's something else like a... When they have like a vascular compression or they have some sort of syndrome that causes or disease that causes it really hard for them to eat, that it's not... That also isn't your fault. Like I'm not... My body... (laughs) I'm not choosing how my body hurt. Um, and so whatever, 
I'm moving on, because that's just irrelevant, I guess, sort of. So, it got really hard, because then I left high school, and that cut me off from everybody, and I actually had all of them, my friends and my peers, still on social media, but they kind of just stopped talking to me, and I, that is, it did not help that I was in so much pain, but the Lyme disease that I had, because it was becoming long-term, and my brain was getting more and more inflamed, I was starting to kind of act, like I call this, cuckoo bananas. Now, my mom, I feel like I need to get her on the podcast to talk about it, because I don't really remember those years, if I can be really honest. My mom does. She, I know, all I know is I was, like, watching myself do all these things. I wasn't actually doing them, and... Like, I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't hurting anyone. I wasn't even hurting myself. It was just, I wasn't me. I wasn't communicating in the way that I do now. I wasn't thinking clearly. I wasn't mentally there. And then it didn't help. Then everyone around me was giving me looks and giving me feelings and stares that made me feel like, oh my god, I'm actually insane. Um, So that was definitely not helpful. And then on top of that, I started losing a lot of weight because of the Lyme disease and the bacteria. And my thyroid then flipped to hyper, so I got extremely fast metabolism. And basically, I started dumping a whole bunch of weight. And I went from a very a very curvy person to all of a sudden, I looked very skeletal. And I was very bony. And my jean size dropped like three sizes. And I genuinely didn't understand why. I mean, I got boobs before all my friends did. I was very young. I got my period very early. Um, I haven't had it in a very long time um, now. But in retrospect, like, it was very shocking to everyone, including myself. Like, I was like, what the hell is going on? Um, So it, it turned... But imagine, can you... Okay, sit... Like, my mom does this with me all the time. Could you imagine seeing your friend go through this? And maybe... You're, because if you're listening to this chronically ill, you might not ostracize them. But pretend this person is, like, you don't understand what is going on at all. And it scares you and you don't know how to help. And so you might, I don't know how to explain it in a way that humanizes these people because I don't blame them. I really, really don't. I kind of feel sad that I couldn't have done more to explain what's going on. It wasn't my fault. I mean, we didn't have any diagnoses or understanding ourselves. So that didn't help either, but it was definitely really difficult, and it's been really hard again. I, in the last year, couple years or so, I have reconnected with a couple old friends, and I have re- and I've made new friends that are chronically ill. Um, I genuinely, there's like, I think I'm I'm so lucky for these people to still be in my life or still want to be in my life because. One of them has been with through us through the first hospitalization all the way to now, and she's still a very good part of my life, and she still is a really good person in my life, and has always just been like, no matter what, I will, will figure it out. You know, if you are eating disorder, if you are just this going on, just that going on, we'll figure it out, Autumn. So I'm definitely very lucky that I have people like that in my life, but it also took me a really long time to get those people in my life or to reconnect with them because for the longest time I felt very very alone when we were in California I had no friends down there I had no friends really I was talking to and I was very isolated and alone and it didn't help that 
would say for a lot of people, when I started losing a lot of the weight, it definitely was really difficult for people to understand what was going on. Kind of jumping into a different subject randomly, but I've been really wanting to talk about this. So I'm going to stop here. Trigger warning, massive, massive trigger warning. I'm going to mention weight. I'm not going to mention numbers, calories, anything else. I'm just going to mention like upping, like low weight, high weight, way I may have looked. Hang on, I'm going to be snotty. I'm going to try to make... Okay, um, but if you are triggered by that, which I would be, um, that's why it's hard for me to record this episode, I would click off. That's totally fine. I'll see you next time. I totally understand. I've been through it. Thank you for listening this far. Um, okay, if you're gone, if you're still here, thank you for sticking around, I guess. I really hope you're not just doing it because you think it's not going to trigger you and then it will and then you'll get upset because trust me it's okay to realize it's going to trigger you um anyways so i guess it was the reason i have been kind of stuck on my weight and why i want to talk about friendships is the last friday when i got my iron infusion they weighed me to do the do the dosage for the iron infusion and when i stepped on the scale it showed that lost more weight than we had expected um which makes sense like right now i'm literally herxing so i've been killing a lot of bacteria again and i felt a shift i've been going to pt i've been doing a lot more exercising um, because i've had the energy i've been feeling more just like alive again and of course when autumn feels alive she goes crazy and tries to go back to what she used to do which was exercise all the time because it makes her happy and that uh did not work out well and I was ext- also when I get really, really, really stressed, I lose a bunch of weight for some reason. And that the entire week leading up to the iron fusion, I was having a panic attack every day. So, yeah, I think there were a lot of factors. Um, but it was devastating because I had worked about six months for all of that and done my feeds, done as much as I could religiously. And I was very, very, very upset. And I still am. Um, the only reason I'm honestly not crying is because my nose really hurts, and my head really hurts, and I feel like it wouldn't really, like, I just don't have the energy to cry, but I can tell you that I cried a lot. I listened to all of Taylor Swift folklore because that's, like, my comfort album. Cried a lot to that. Um, so yeah, I was doing great, and then I listened to This Is Me trying over and over and over again for, like, 500 times. So, (laughs) mentally I was doing, eh, but I'm doing a lot better now. Um, because I'm going to start adding more things back into my feed um, and just start boosting nutrition again and just going to get me bulky again. But the point is, is it was very triggering because it reminded me of all the times my friends or the people that I knew stopped really being my friend when I lost weight, if that makes sense. And it's weird because we shouldn't judge people by how they look or how they act. Like, you shouldn't... The first thing, like, I've seen all the things where it's like, what are things not to mention at a Christmas party? Like, oh, you put on some weight or, oh, you're looking lean. What have you done? Like, you don't do that. But I feel like we do it subconsciously. And it was extremely triggering because also the nurse gave me a look and she made like a face and I almost broke down right there because she was being kind of judgmental and it reminded me too of all the doctors that have ever told me you know 
that's your fault too. And I think that was the hardest, one of the hardest things about this is that my friends kind of, some of my friends had witnessed the doctors telling me that it was my fault and they agreed, they didn't disagree, if that makes sense. They didn't deny it. And it, I luckily in the moment, I actually, I have a group chat with my really good friends that I have now. I texted them and told them what happened and they were like, we're so sorry. It's going to be okay. We love you still. And that's all I needed in that moment. I felt so much better. I felt like I wasn't a failure. I felt like they weren't going to run away from me in horror. And it just felt really nice. Because I knew that if nothing else, I have a support system there. I have a support system with my mom and my brother. But that I don't, they're not the only support system I have. Um, because when I see that, when I see the scale, I get a horror of dread that I've failed my doctors. And that I've failed the people around me if I've, you know, lost weight. And I feel like, you know, for the longest time, doctors... Every t- we, we, used to, we were going to a lot of GIs the first year that I got sick because we were like stomach issues and we were like, okay, was, clearly something's going on with my digestive system. I had barely lost any weight and they told me I was fine. They told me I was having anxiety, like, you know, the classic anxiety. I was stressing out about school. I was clearly um, worried about something. I had clearly eaten something. I was doing something. And this went on for about a couple years while we were still trying to figure out what was going on. And only till I had lost a significant amount of weight did they finally say, like they let, like they let me go untreated for so long that this weight loss had happened. And they finally were like, oh, huh, maybe something's wrong. And I'm like, huh, yeah, been telling you guys that for like three years. And it's that distrust of people that I have developed through all of this with but it, it, it started with people that I knew that were close to me. It started with these friendships. It didn't even start with the doctors. Because before even we saw the first... So the first doctor that we saw, um, she took a bunch of tests. She tested me, I think, for... Like, she ran a bunch of blood. And she tested me for, like, all of these, like, generic bacteria. All of these things that are pretty easy to, like, test for. And my mom got the results back when she was when she was at school. And my mom taught at the middle school that I went to. So I would frequently hang out in her classroom to, to hide from the world. And she'll admit it. She would let me hide under her desk when I was having a really bad day. Um, but all my friends were hanging out with me in there. And my mom was reading it out to me and basically was just like, okay, nothing is wrong here. And one of my friends and one of my close friends was like, see, nothing is wrong. And I remember in that moment just going, what? Um... Because I was also in so much pain in that moment. And it's like, how could you say that to me and not realize what that meant? And I could see them saying it as like, see, you're not, you know, you don't have cancer. It wasn't a cancer test, but like, see, you're not, you're not. Okay, I almost coughed, yawned. Um, But see, you're not like critical. You're okay. And I could see that that's what they were possibly saying. But in my head, it went straight to distrust and that everyone's against me. And my friendships, like, not only, like I said, I was kind of cuckoo bananas, so I wasn't trusting anyone in general, but it didn't help that the people around me, doctors and my friends, were making me feel extra cuckoo bananas. Or, like, that I was cuckoo, making me feel like I was cuckoo bananas in everything, even my pain. And that is the biggest 
part of all of this that I still struggle with, like, right now, um, I'm, I told my mom, like, I'm really, I'm, because of my hercs, I'm really paranoid again, and I was like, I'm really scared you're gonna do something and go behind my back, even though she legally can't because I'm 19, so even if she told the doctors, I want Autumn to do this, I can say no, it's that easy, but in my head, I'm still very, like, hyper-vigilant sometimes, and that is the long-lasting effects of all of this, of the doctors telling me it's my fault, people not believing me, not just doctors, my friends, they don't know what to say, they didn't know how to say it, and it has led me, it's one of my biggest problems that I still get into arguments with my mom with, is she's like, why can't you just trust me, and I am not sure, honestly, it's something I need to work on, and I am working on, but I have such a hard time trusting anyone right now because I'm just scared of them turning their back on me eventually, I guess. I'm scared of, like, I don't, even my really good doctors right now, I don't trust them because I'm scared they're going to abandon me again. And I feel like with chronic illness is you can build up this distrust in so much that it's hard to trust even the littlest things. Like, I don't even trust that tomorrow some... I'm going to be okay. And that's pretty normal as, you know, with chronic illness, every day changes. But it's just very, very over-exaggerated and taken up a notch because of my situation. And I think that maybe for other people, definitely for me, is it can cause relationship issues. I that's what I'm kind of saying too is my friends may have turned their backs on me but I'm not saying that I wasn't exactly the perfect person either and I definitely could have done more to stay in touch with them or could have done more to stay more in contact with them and I was busy being scared of being hurt I think honestly my biggest thing for right now is just remembering that the people you'll find out who your people your people are through all of this like the people that have stuck with you thin and thick and thin like my mom my friends that I have now and I think that shows if nothing else that cuckoo bananas part of me that it's gonna be okay because I have these people that have been with me through my darkest times and they've still loved me and I think that's something that we need to remember and that you may be in a really darkest dark dark time right now but you've survived all your worst times. And that's something that I literally live by. That's like my rhetoric to surviving life. That's how I get through my infusions. That's how I get through my pain. Is that I've had worse than this. I'll survive. So I'm going to probably go here. This is a little shorter of an episode. It was more of a chit chat, quick chat of me just kind of checking in and talking about my issues with life and people and friendships. Um, but I thought I would still do an episode because I this genuinely makes me really happy to do. And it makes me happy to see people enjoying it and relating to it. Um, I'm probably going to go have to blow my nose 10,000 times and pump a bunch of eardrops into my ears. And take a pound of Benadryl. I'm just kidding for all of these things. But I'm probably just going to go take the Benadryl and go to sleep. Because I am cold because it snowed today. It was like a blizzard. And I feel really, really sick, so thanks, body. I guess it's good that I'm detoxing all this, but why is all the bacteria in one side of my face? Like, why am I only snotting out of one nose? Why is why is it all there? Like, okay, 
And this is this is like the long-lasting effects of the NJ though, because I'm pretty sure that was the NJ nostril. I don't even remember which nostril my NJ was in. So, thanks for that. I love love having an NJ. Anyways, I oh yeah, I have to tell you what juice I've been uh, drinking. Um, lemonade. I've been into lemonade again. Um, but it has pulp in it, so I always have to strain out the pulp. Um, always. I have, like, one of those really mesh-fine strainers. Um, okay, hear me out. Starbucks Blonde Espresso Americano. Three shots of Blonde Espresso. Black is the night. But, a little bit of stevia. Chef's kiss. It's, like, sweet and savory, and it's just, like, a plain black coffee, and I love it. Also, these sparkling ice caffeine drinks. They only have, like, 70 milligrams. Um, and I drain them out anyway, but they're just really bubbly and really yummy, and they help my headaches, so, probably addicted to caffeine, that's probably bad. Oh, yeah, added to the list of issues I have. <sighs> okay, enough talking, because now my throat's actually hurting, so, if you listen this far, thank you for listening to my ramble session, especially when I was snotting and coughing, I wasn't coughing, but I was snotting a lot, so. <laughs> Ew, okay, anyways. <laughs> Thank you, and bye, and I'll see you next time.